Today is the 6th of August 2019. Welcome to Walking the Way. My name is Ray. I want to say thank you to everyone for listening in as we continue to explore what it means to have a regular rhythm of worship together. And if you're joining us for the first time, let me explain that each episode follows a really simple pattern of prayer, scripture, and music. So having explained how it all works, let's start today's leg of Walking the Way with our opening prayer, shall we? Loving Father God, thank you that you have brought us each safely to this place together today. And so today we gladly surrender our lives to you and in worship and in praise. Father, we remember those who can't be with us today. And for those who are sick, we ask for healing. And for those who are away, we ask your blessing to be on them. We invite your beautiful Holy Spirit to move freely among us. Come dwell in each of us, Lord. Equip us, challenge us, comfort us and teach us. Inspire us as we learn more about your majestic ways. Father, as we gather now, may we behold your beauty and encounter your grace. We ask this all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to have our first piece of music just to give us some time to center our thoughts on God. And then we're going to get into our Bible readings for today. And in today's readings, we read about Rehoboam and Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees. But we'll see you on the other side.
Let's ask God to speak to us through the Scriptures this morning. Lord, we ask that you would prepare our hearts as we read Scripture today. Open our hearts and minds to the mysteries and truth that are hidden within its pages. May we discover a clarity of understanding within your word that has previously been hidden from us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Bible readings this week are taken from the God's Word translation, and we begin with 1 Kings 10. The Queen of Sheba heard about Solomon's reputation. He owed his reputation to the name of the Lord, so she came to test him with riddles. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of servants with camels carrying spices, a very large quantity of gold and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she talked to him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions, because no question was too difficult for the king to answer. When the Queen of Sheba saw all of Solomon's wisdom, the palace he built, the food on his table, his officers' seating arrangements, the organization of his officials and the uniforms they wore, his cupbearers and the burnt offerings that he sacrificed at the Lord's temple, she was breathless. She told the king, What I heard in my country about your words and your wisdom is true, but I didn't believe the reports until I came and saw it with my own eyes. I wasn't even told half of it. Your wisdom and wealth surpass the stories I've heard. How blessed your men must be. How blessed these servants of yours must be because they are always stationed in front of you, listening to your wisdom. Thank the Lord your God who is pleased with you. He has put you on the throne of Israel. Because of your God's eternal love for the people of Israel, he has made you king so that you can maintain justice and righteousness. She gave the king 9,000 pounds of gold, a very large quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again was such a large quantity of spices brought into Israel as those that the Queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. Hiram's fleet that brought gold from Urfa also brought a large quantity of sandalwood and precious stones from Urfa. With the sandalwood, the king made supports for the Lord's temple and the royal palace, and lyres and harps for the singers. Never again was sandalwood like this imported into Israel, nor has any been seen there to this day. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba anything she wanted, whatever she asked for besides what he had given her out of his royal generosity. Then she and her servants went back to her country. The gold that came to Solomon in one year weighed 49,950 pounds, not counting the gold which came from the merchants, the traders' profits, all the Arab kings and the governors of the country. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, using 15 pounds of gold on each shield. He also made 300 small shields of hammered gold using 4 pounds of gold on each shield. The king put them in the hall which he called the Forest of Lebanon. The king also made a very large ivory throne and covered it with fine gold. Six steps led to the throne. Carved into the back of the throne was a calf's head. There were armrests on both sides of the seat. Two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood on six steps, one on each side. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's cups were gold, and all the utensils for the hall which he called the Forest of Lebanon were fine gold. Nothing was silver because it wasn't considered valuable in Solomon's time. The king had a fleet headed for Tarshish with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years the Tarshish fleet would bring gold, silver, ivory, apes and monkeys. In wealth and wisdom King Solomon was greater than all the kings of the world.
The whole world wanted to listen to the wisdom that God gave Solomon. So everyone who came brought him gifts, articles of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses and mules. This happened year after year. Solomon built up his army with chariots and war horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 war horses. He stationed some in the chariot cities and others with himself in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedars as plentiful as fig trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt in Kew. The king's traders bought them from Kew for a fixed price. Each chariot was imported from Egypt for 15 pounds of silver, and each horse for 6 ounces of silver. For the same price they obtained horses to export to all the Hittites and Aramean kings. King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughter. He loved Hittite women and women from Moab, Ammon, Edom and Sidon. They came from the nations about which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, Never intermarry with them. They will surely tempt you to follow their gods. But Solomon was obsessed with their love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 wives who were concubines. In his old age his wives tempted him to follow other gods. He was no longer committed to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon followed Astarte, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, the disgusting idol of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what the Lord considered evil. He did not wholeheartedly follow the Lord as his father David had done. Then Solomon built an illegal worship site on the hill east of Jerusalem for Chemosh, the disgusting idol of Moab, and for Molech, the disgusting idol of the Ammonites. He did these things for each of his foreign wives who burnt incest and sacrificed to their God. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. God had given him commands about this. He told him not to follow other gods, but Solomon did not obey God's command. The Lord told Solomon, Because this is your attitude, and you have no respect for my promises or my laws that I have commanded you to keep, I will certainly tear the kingdom away from you. I will give it to one of your servants. But I will not do it in your lifetime because of your father David. I will tear it away from the hands of your son. However, I will not tear the whole kingdom away from you. I will give your son one tribe for my servant David's sake and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city that I chose. The Lord raised up Hadad the Edomite as a rival to Solomon. Hadad was from the Edomite royal family. When David had conquered Edom, Joab the commander of the army went to bury those killed in battle and killed every male in Edom. Joab and all Israel stayed there six months until they destroyed every male in Edom. Hadad was a young boy at the time. He and some of his father's Edomite servants fled to Egypt. They left Midian and went to Paran. Taking some men from Paran with them, they went to Pharaoh the king of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Hadad a home, a food allowance and land. Pharaoh approved of Hadad. He gave Hadad his sister-in-law, the sister of Queen Taphnes, to be Hadad's wife. Taphnes' sister had a son called Jenubath. Taphnes presented the boy to Pharaoh in the palace, and Jenubath lived in the palace amongst Pharaoh's children. When Hadad heard in Egypt that David had lain down in death with, with his ancestors and that Joab, the commander of the armies, had died, he said to Pharaoh, Let me go to my own country. Pharaoh asked him, What don't you have here that makes you eager to go home? 
Nothing, he said. But let me leave anyway. God also raised up Rezon, son of Eliada, as a rival to Solomon. Rezon fled from his master, King Hadadezer of Zobah, after David killed the men of Zobah. Rezon gathered men and became the leader of a troop of warriors. They went to Damascus, settled there, and ruled a kingdom in Damascus. In addition to the trouble that Hadad had caused, Rezon was Israel's rival as long as Solomon lived. He lived in Aram and despised Israel. There was also Jeroboam, who was the son of Nebat, and an Ephrathite of Zeredah. His mother Zariah was a widow. He was one of Solomon's officers, but he rebelled against the king. This was the situation when he rebelled against the king. Solomon was building the Milo and repairing a break in the wall of the city of David. Solomon saw that Jeroboam was a very able and hard-working man, so he put Jeroboam in charge of all forced labor from the tribes of Joseph. At that time, Jeroboam left Jerusalem. The prophet Ahijah from Shiloh met him on the road. The two of them were alone in the open country, and Ahijah had on new clothes. Ahijah took his garment and tore it into twelve pieces. He told Jeroboam, Take ten pieces, because this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hands and give ten tribes to you. He will have one tribe left because of my servant David and Jerusalem, the city that I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel. I will do this, because he has abandoned me and worshipped Astarte, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of Ammon. He has not followed my ways. He did not do what I considered right or keep my laws and decrees as his father David did. I will not take the whole kingdom from him. Instead I will allow him to be ruler as long as he lives because of my servant David whom I chose who obeyed my commands and laws. But I will take the kingdom away from his son and give you ten tribes. I will give his son one tribe so that my servant David will always have a lamp in my presence in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to place my name. I will choose you so that you can rule everything you desire. You will be the king of Israel. If you will do all I command you, follow my ways, and do what I consider right by obeying my laws and commands as my servant David did, then I will be with you. I will build a permanent dynasty for you as I did for David. And I will give you Israel. I will make David's descendants suffer for this, but not always. Then Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam. But Jeroboam fled to King Shishak of Egypt. He stayed in Egypt till Solomon died. Aren't the rest of Solomon's acts everything he did, and his wisdom written in the records of Solomon? The length of Solomon's reign in Jerusalem over all Israel was forty years. Solomon laid down in death with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. His son Rehoboam succeeded him as king. 2 Chronicles 11 when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he gathered the people of Judah and Benjamin, 180,000 of the best soldiers, to fight against Israel and to return the kingdom to Rehoboam. But God spoke his word to Shemaiah, the man of God. He said, Speak to Judah's king Rehoboam, son of Solomon, and all Israel in Judah and Benjamin. This is what the Lord says. Don't wage war against your relatives. Everyone go home. What has happened is my doing. So they obeyed the Lord's word. They turned back from their attack on Jeroboam. Rehoboam lived in Jerusalem and built fortified cities in Judah. 
He rebuilt Bethlehem, Etam, Tekoa, Bethzer, Socha, Adalim, Gath, Marisha, Ziph, Adoraim, Lachish, Azekah, Zorah, Aegelon, and Hebron. These were fortified cities in Judah and Hebron. He strengthened them and put army officers with reserves of food, olive oil, and wine in them. In each city he stored shields and spears. He made the cities very secure, so Rehoboam held on to Judah and Benjamin. The priests and Levites in every region of Israel sided with Rehoboam. The priests abandoned their land and properties and went to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his descendants rejected them as the Lord's priests. Instead, Jeroboam appointed his own priests for the illegal worship sites and the goat and calf statues he had made as idols. People from every tribe of Israel who were determined to seek the Lord God of Israel followed the Levitical priests to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord God of their ancestors. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah by supporting Rehoboam, son of Solomon, for three years. During those three years they lived the way David and Solomon had lived. Rehoboam married Mahalath, daughter of Jeremoth. Jeremoth was the son of David and Abihel. Abihel was the daughter of Eliab, son of Jesse. Mahalath gave birth to the following sons, Jewish, Shemariah, and Zahim. After marrying Mahalath, he married Marka, Absalom's granddaughter. She gave birth to Abijah, Atai, Ziza, and Shedemoth. Rehoboam loved Maka, Absalom's granddaughter, more than all his other wives and concubines. He had eighteen wives and sixty concubines. He fathered twenty-eight sons and sixty daughters. Rehoboam appointed Abijah, son of Maka, as family head and prince among his brothers. By doing this, Rehoboam could make him king. He wisely placed his sons in every region of Judah and Benjamin in every fortified cities. He gave them allowances and obtained many wives for them. Matthew 9 Jesus got into a boat, crossed the sea and came to his own city. Some people brought him a paralyzed man on a stretcher. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Cheer up, friend, your sins are forgiven. Some of the experts in Moses' teaching thought, He's dishonoring God. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He asked them, Why are you thinking evil things? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up and walk? I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. So the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and praised God with forgiving such authority to humans. When Jesus was leaving that place, he saw a man sitting in a tax office. The man's name was Matthew. Jesus said to him, Follow me. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Those who are sick do. Learn what this means. I want mercy, not sacrifice. I have come to call sinners, not people who think they have God's approval. Then John's disciple came to Jesus. They said, 
Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples never do? Jesus replied, Can wedding guests be sad while the groom is still with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast. No one patches an old coat with a new piece of cloth that will shrink. When the patch shrinks, it will rip away from the coat and the tear will become worse. Nor do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins burst, the wine runs out, and the skins are ruined. Rather, people pour new wine into fresh skins, and both are saved. A synagogue leader came to Jesus while he was talking to John's disciples. He bowed down in front of Jesus and said, My daughter has just died. Come lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus and his disciples got up and followed the man. Then a woman came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his clothes. She had been suffering from chronic bleeding for twelve years. She thought, if I only touch his clothes, I'll get well. Then Jesus turned and saw and said, Cheer up, daughter. Your faith has made you well. At that very moment, the woman became well. Jesus came to the synagogue leader's house. He saw flute players and a noisy crowd. He said, Leave. The girl is not dead. She's sleeping. But they laughed at him. When the crowd had been put outside, Jesus went in, took her hand, and the girl came back to life. The news about this spread throughout the region. When Jesus left that place, two blind men followed him. They shouted, Have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus went into a house, and the blind men followed him. He said to them, Do you believe I can do this? Yes, Lord, they answered. He touched their eyes and said, What you have believed will be done for you. Then they could see. He warned them, don't let anyone know about this, but they went out and spread the news about him throughout that region. As they were leaving, some people brought a man to Jesus. The man was unable to talk because he was possessed by a demon. But as soon as the demon was forced out, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed and said, we've never seen anything like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He forces demons out of people with the help of the ruler of demons. Jesus went to all the towns and villages. He taught in the synagogues and spread the good news of the kingdom. He also cured every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them. They were troubled and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is large and the workers are few. So ask the Lord who gives his harvest to send workers to harvest his crops. Psalm 53 For the choir director, according to Mahalath, a masculine by David. Godless fools say in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do disgusting things. There is no one who does good things. God looks down from heaven on Adam's descendants to see if there is anyone who works wisely if there is anyone who seeks help from God. Everyone has fallen away. Together they have become rotten to the core. No one, not even one person, does good things. All are those troublemakers, those who devour my people as if they were devouring food, so ignorant that they do not call on God. There they are, panic-stricken. But there is no reason to panic, because God has scattered the bones of those who set camp against you. You shall put them to shame. After all, God has rejected them. If only salvation for Israel would come from Zion. 
When God restores the fortunes of his people, Jacob will rejoice. Israel will be glad. We're going to have our second piece of music just to give us some time to think about the bits of scripture that have caught our attention. And after music, we'll say our prayers for the day and the time of the year. Before we say our prayers for today, just a reminder that if you'd like us to pray with you, then drop us a line through the usual channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email. Check the show notes for all the links. Click those, follow them there, and we will certainly, certainly, certainly pray for you. I want to say thank you for all those who prayed for the family of Peter Gummy yesterday. It was a real privilege to do his funeral. But let's pray, shall we? Lord, as I face a new day, let me take your hope rising with the dawn. As I face a new day, let me feel your love dancing through the birdsong. As I face a new day, let me see your promises glittering through my day. Lord, as I face a new day, I turn my face to yours, that I may taste, feel, and see you today and our prayer for the time of the year. Loving God, in Christ you offer us a vision of a world transformed, where all are valued, where your justice reigns, where hearts are strangely warmed by your grace. Father, open our hearts and minds, that we may catch your vision, and be empowered by your Holy Spirit to work with you, that your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Amen. 
and we say together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and forevermore. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.